0: Why Life Is, I'm Niles McFlower, and tonight, hey, we're going to have another very interesting show dealing with uh, physics and science, combined with metaphysics and some spiritual principles, and uh, an area that I think that some people may disagree with, so that's going to be interesting. Of course, it's not like anybody ever disagrees with things that I say, of course, but this, uh, this in particular, I think, will be an area of some level of disagreement because um there's quite a few people who don't even believe that evil exists. Uh not a huge number, but there's 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 a number out there. And um besides that, uh, tonight I'm going to be talking about possession and the door to evil and that and that really probably is going to uh push the folks who, you know, question evil's existence i mean, now we're talking about possession, what the heck is that? Uh, Yeah, it's going to be one of those kinds of shows, but not necessarily, because as I usually do, I'm going to talk about it somewhat in terms of uh, more physics principles and uh, an understanding of how the universe works, rather than trying to uh, make it a religious show. Uh, I've been watching some interesting uh, religious television type of uh, information, a show called Apparitions, which is based upon Catholicism and, and demons, of course, obviously possessing humans. Uh, and it has, it has some kind of, well, it has more than a, a few uh, areas that are in common, with, I'm gonna, which I'm going to be talking about tonight. Although it's still very, very uh, re- religiousized, and uh, it follows almost exclusively, of course, the uh, Roman Catholic Church's uh, position on it. But most of the people on the show don't buy it. <laughs> Even when it's happening to them, they don't buy it. So maybe we'll have that kind of interest tonight. Well, let me let me first start off by again defining what what the heck I'm talking about. I think most people have some idea about what possession is, but I'm going to define it very differently than probably what the average person thinks about it. And then uh, the door to evil. What the heck is that? Okay. Well, let's start with that part of what we're going to be talking about because I think. I think that may make it a little easier to understand this whole situation. Actually, where is evil? Does evil, like I mean, is it in your next door, or, or, you know, do they have like a a secret club somewhere that's hidden from all view? And you know, maybe it's on a plant, maybe it's on a, a a continent that nobody knows about. You know, like the lost continent. Where, where is it? Where where is evil? because evil must have some kind of place that it that it hangs out at. you know? And the answer is kind of strange to a lot of people's minds, because evil created its own uh, place, um, along with the general context that everything um, is invited to create itself by the Creator, which I call God. A lot of people do. Um, evil says, well, we'll take that offer, except we don't uh, want God in our existence in our universe uh, and uh, we'll try to convince everyone else that God doesn't doesn't exist and if they don't buy that then we'll just uh, make God out to be some kind of weakling who we can't do much anyway who's probably on the wrong side of things and so evil has, has a, an agenda because it's the opposite of what God stands for. God stands for creation, freedom, purpose, uh, spirit in a sense because its uh, mind of sorts is composed of at least the first part of what I just said, along with love and consciousness and giving wisely and um, inclusiveness. Those two parts come together and it becomes spirit, Um, but that's a good thing. And uh, then the third part of God's mind or God's existence is uh, intelligent activity. Now, what is that? (laughs) That's <laughs> activity that that only leads to more enlightenment, or if that word is a little confusing, then uh, leads to uh, less forces and eventually no forces. So the more intelligent an activity is, the less forces there are. If it's fully intelligent, there are no forces. So uh, evil then says, okay, well, I'm going to be really, really different from God. I'm going to do it this way. And so evil uh, chooses chooses to um, become the following. Well, instead of creative, it's not creative. Now you might say, well, how does it be not to creative? Well, it becomes destructive. <laughs> so, in other words, it destroys others' creations. All right? And that's its form of creation. Uh, and then, uh, let's not even get to re- recreation. That's a whole other story. But uh, then, uh, on top of that, evil also has a kind of... Um, an idea that is uh instead of uh, sacrifice it uh, it wants to uh, uh will say dominate and to uh have uh control over others so it it doesn't want to give up anything it wants to control and get uh something from anything else that can get control over. and so that's all the first part of the the spirit part the first part of God, okay? And the second part, the love part, oh, well, evil just kind of tries to ignore that as best as it can. It's hard to reverse love, strangely. Uh, Of course, it's hatred and, you know, that kind of stuff. But evil tries to, in most uh, circumstances, it tries to just uh, say, okay, we'll stay as conscious as possible and uh, not really mess with too much of the love side, actually. So strangely, everybody thinks that evil is against love, in a way it is, but it doesn't do much, it doesn't try much to uh, reverse that as much as people might think otherwise. But then on the interactional mode, it comes back with a big bang, and it says, ah, instead of uh, trying to reduce forces, it increases forces to the max to dominate and control others again, but through slavery and destruction. And uh, it relies upon uh, stealing even basic things like senses and bodies from others, not entirely, but enough to uh, keep their own body and senses going. Because if you take the full body and senses, sometimes you end up with a quantity of zero. But that's kind of where evil stands. It, It has a a unique way of cutting out its own existence. Uh, it's very limited in what it can do because it mostly uh, relies on reversing rather than um, anything uh, other than uh, say any significant form of creation. It can create a little bit here and there, but it's very dangerous for it because when it creates, it can also end up destroying itself. So it doesn't like being very creative. All All that's about evil. Now, you can say, "Well, you 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 talk a good line, but what do you mean by all this stuff?" Well, it has to do with, kind of with physics. So, kind of, let's look at it from from a more scientific viewpoint. Um, the The world is made up of fields of creation, fields of creation everywhere they're creating, and um, the creation is based upon how much someone chooses in their thinking to begin with the thought to uh, alter. Their uh, the their field, and their field is composed of either intelligent actions or uh, at least some form of energy, so their field of energy will say, how they're going to take their field of energy and go play with it, <laughs> with other symptoms, and uh, make it some part of themselves, while at the same time, their self growth. And what's a self? a self is really that consciousness part that I said that evil doesn't really want to destroy because it needs to have a self itself itself. <laughs> so evil without itself is is nothing. It really can't do much. So it's got to keep itself going, and uh, it likes to do that. So it doesn't mess too badly with that. But it does, to some extent, uh, as we'll talk later in the show, do certain things that are very devious. Okay. So, in in terms of physics. If we look at how how the universe is constructed, then uh, evil uses force to replace uh, intelligence, intelligent interactions. And uh, it does so in ways that uh, um, forces people, uh, usually through astral stuff, which is emotional stuff, because of fear, uh, to adopt its position. And what kind of fear does it use? Well, it's got an odd kind of basis for its fear. The biggest fear it can muster uh, against uh, humanity is uh, the fear of death. But God, uh, if you get to understand God, uh, has made it so that human beings uh, can become immortal, and their souls always are immortal. And so there's there's no... need to be afraid of death by human being. And evil, evil's job is to weaken that, to convince people that death is imminent and uh, you can't escape it, and uh, God must be a really bad dude, because what kind of God would make human beings that suffer all their life about death and then uh, have to face a death of annihilation? Well, you say, well, if you're religious, you don't feel that way, right? Well, yeah, maybe not. But the point is that evil tries to convince even religious people that that's a bunch of malarkey. Yeah, you know, hey, you know, I used the word malarkey because this was a uh, petty state week. Uh, that, that's a bunch of nonsense because um, where's the proof? Where is the proof that people live after death? From the physical body, anyway. Well, there's a whole bunch of proof, but the most important proof is actually in this idea of quantum physics, but uh, there are ways that people can prove this to themselves. And and, and this show has mentioned literally hundreds of thousands. I think the most important thing is, and I can't go, well, I could go into that today, but I don't think I will, because you can go listen to some of the other shows on that subject. But here's the point. So as long as they can get folks to be afraid of death, they use that fear to enslave people and then to steal their senses and their life from them for their own existence. They are being evil. But are evil people then? Well, uh, the people can be varying levels of evil. The the hierarchy of evil, the, the really bad, bad dudes, and I say dudes because most evil beings are actually of male nature. That's why they're choosing. Because again, they choose everything for themselves, more so than human beings in general do. And they um they have this idea that if they can get folks to be really afraid of death, they uh they will uh basically be able to enslave people. So they're constantly urging um, human beings that are selfish, but not necessarily evil yet, uh, to move towards a more evil side by uh, in- enacting warlike uh actions. Oh, Putin taking over the Crimean might be a good example. Or a lot of other places. And it always involves taking freedom from people. It almost always involves uh, a force. And so when you look at it from their standpoint, well, this is a good road to evil. That's exactly what they're what they're doing, right? But more so, it's really about also the fear of death. It brings to the more prominent issue the capriciousness through human endeavors of how death can strike you from the forcefulness and the the awfulness of other humans. They use those folks, and eventually they become part of them, even if they're not evil to start with, though that's the path to get there, you see. So that's kind of the um, the main ingredient into their, we'll say, uh, functioning. But in order to do this, this is a kind of interesting physics issue. The folks that are really the bad, evil dudes, they don't live here in the physical world. Now you might ask yourself, oh, why not? Hey, it's easy pickings. This is like the low-lying fruit, you know. Get everybody afraid here. Because you see, where they, they where they hang out, though, where they hang out, Everybody knows that you don't die when you die when your physically uh, your physical body is gone. They all know that because they live in the next dimension of time and space called the astral realm or emotional uh, emotional uh, dimension, and they um, have cut out a part of that dimension with all the things that I just mentioned in the beginning of the show to make it into their kind of home sweet home. Yeah, their home, sweet home, is uh, is a place of absolute terror and horrible. Uh, we'll call it both ideas, thoughts, and we'll say their connivance of interactions here in other di- well here and in other dimensions. Where they exist, though, they have a hierarchy of force, and those that make it into it's called the eighth sphere.
1: Ooh.
0: And uh, as long as they have a doorway that they can leave the A-sphere to, or from, I should say, and uh, go and have some uh, ability to communicate with and control uh, humans, uh, and sometimes animals, but it's kind of an ugly thing, but uh, humans for the most part, uh, in the physical world here, even after people briefly for a time when they die and go to the etheric part of this world, that's like electromagnetic part of the physical world, uh, and they have, they're have; real happy with that. That's a good uh, outcome for them because they can affect this world without having to come here. Now, why would not they want to come here? Well, they really don't want to be known. You see, they're best understood in their minds by not being found out about it. <laughs> because everything they're saying is a bunch of lies and a bunch of uh, deceptive practices. And if they were really understood or known about, um, to their mind, the best understanding is to not know about them, because then they can get away with so much. And those that do their bidding, so to speak, that are human and do exist here, and are on the road to evil, or by some classification would be called evil, they are at the lower levels of evil. Um, They uh, take the brunt of whatever takes place. They take most of the chances, actually. Because if found out, and goodness riles up, and the world of light comes upon them, they are very weak, and they don't have uh, the power that they seem to have, because the power comes mostly from this fear business. But once you get over the fear, uh, you 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 can uh, do almost uh, anything you can imagine to beat them, and they're they are beatable. It's just that you don't. You don't want to uh, try to do those things if you're afraid because they'll twist everything around and you'll lose. So they've kind of got this uh, system to keep everybody literally in the dark. (laughs) Yeah, they love the dark. And as a matter of fact, a sphere is a relatively dark place. You can't see into it. If you go there, and very few people have ever gone there that aren't evil, but if you were to go there, what you would see would be mostly people in reflection. What's that? It's like looking at everybody as though you're seeing them from in back of you and you're looking at them in a mirror or to the side of you, something like that. Everybody looks like you're looking at them as a reflection in a mirror. So they're not as lit up because mirrors aren't efficient. at transmitting light. And um, you never quite know exactly where they are. In position, in time, and space, and this is in the a sphere. I know that sounds wacko. I'm just describing what I, uh, what I, think is uh, true. Okay, and so they're they're um, they're in these weird positions uh, that uh, permit them to be kind of shadowy figures, literally. But they're not shadows exactly. You can still recognize them, etc. In their own in their own place and what the heck do they do there, anyway? well they plan believe it or not they have to keep that second part of god's mind because consciousness is also planning the ability to plan and they have to plan now they don't like it they really hate planning but they do it because without a plan they keep getting beaten by the side of light you know the good guys And they don't like that. So they do plan, but usually they keep their plans relatively short in terms of time because the longer the term of time in a plan, the greater the level of consciousness and the more that they risk, they risk uh, not being able to maintain enough consciousness of their own body and senses. And if they lose that, they could literally fall apart. So they have to use a lot of their consciousness to keep their own bodies together because their bodies don't live like ours. They live based upon how much they can take from the good folks or at least the folks that aren't quite as bad off as they are in terms of evil. And um, they steal literally energy from all those below them, even the ones that are are evil but less so on an evil hierarchy scale. Um, They steal some from those below them as well. Whoa. Some kind of pyramid system, for sure, and um this is the way that they uh exist, but they have to be somewhat conscious of this power that they're using and the stealing that they're using to make sure that they don't crack i mean it's literally called cracking well yeah, yeah this is isn't, uh, isn't, uh, like cracking <laughs> it that business. it's a real cracking, and real cracking uh involves death. Of their body, and if their body dies, now this is an astral body. We have to understand this. It's actually made out of astral energy, but the energy is much denser than any other astral energy. Uh, it's dilated uh, half as much, and therefore it's it's at least uh, twice as uh, dense. It's actually more than that, and it, uh, it it is, uh, we'll call it my my their standards, uh. More durable as far as being able to deal with the tremendous forces that it manipulates and uses on others. However, cracking happens when, because they have to constantly increase the amount of energy they're using. It's not a lot every day, but over time it gets up there. And they have to keep being more and more evil to keep this body going for literally thousands of years. Oh, they can way outlive a human being by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, not a human soul, and they've given up their soul if they're past the first dark initiation. So they, they don't even have a uh, individual soul the way a human being has. They have a soul like a an animal has. They have a group soul of evil that doesn't even exist in this galaxy. It exists outside of this galaxy. Oh, well, there's a subs- uh, subsidiary part in this galaxy, but the main part is actually in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, Okay, so Star Wars wasn't that far off. But, you know, it, uh, their their position is that a group soul for them works better because they can instantly be in contact with this group soul whenever they need to to become more evil. It literally can transmit to them. I mean, a billion light years away. You know, we're talking a very far away. Uh, it can transmit to them in a second or two whatever information is needed to become more powerful, more forceful, more evil. It really helps them out. And it works best, in of all places, it works best right where they're at. Because of the physics, it doesn't work very well in the dense physical world. Evil has a much harder time communicating directly with people in the dense physical world in comparison to if they're living in this A-sphere in the astral world. In the astral, they can get communication, like I said, in a second or two, whereas evil could take hours to communicate with someone in a dense physical world, depending upon how attuned they are to it and what they've been doing recently in their evil endeavors and whether they're following the last messages they received. If they ignore those messages, evil it becomes more and more difficult for evil to communicate the next time. So keep the channel open. Do more evil. uh, Evil evil a day keeps the good guys away, you know. So that's the object, and the purpose of all this is to stay alive for what they think is immortality forever. So they think they have the system beat, particularly the big guys, the guys that are way up on the hierarchy of evil in the A-sphere. They don't have to take any incarnations. They're right where they're at. All they've got to do is maintain your consciousness to a level... Where they make sure their body isn't going to crack. <laughs> seems like it's not that hard. And uh, as long as they do that and they got everyone else doing their bidding for them, immortality seems real. They believe they are a real challenge to God, and their system makes them immortal. Well, if they are immortal, they are godlike, if not more. And so that's what that's what convinces them of this great uh say, um this this great belief structure of uh what they consider to be the truth. Now, it is somewhat true that uh some of the highest dark masters live for hundreds of thousands of years. That's true. But at any time they could crack. So and when they do, it can be within less than a day. They're gone. So it's not like they're in some kind of impervious position of whoa! I've been around for two hundred fifty thousand years. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> whoops! Wait! Whoa! Whoa! whoa. <laughs> Bang! Okay, what happens then? Well, if the crack happens, they their consciousness doesn't change. <laughs> just their body. Oh poor babies yep they they lose the ability to construct a body and have senses of a human being they can still be alive and choose life all the time, which we imagine that, but their consciousness remains where it was at when they cracked, which is subhuman truly, but not unintelligent they're very intelligent they just lack consciousness and uh, even when they crack, they still have a lot of consciousness, they're still subhuman, but they're they have most of the consciousness of the human being, and they have to take the form that fits the remainder of what is left of their senses, and after they crack they they go to a level that really is the average of what would would have been left of their senses. they hadn't been stealing it from everybody else, so they can go back to being a little earthworm, or less. <laughs> i have a I have a great fund that's for cockroaches, but not all of them go back to cockroaches they could go to earthworms or they could go to a plant yeah, you know, well, most of the time they stay in the animal kingdom, but they could go to the plant kingdom, which is even more fun because wherever they go to based upon what senses are left uh is where they start their life tens of thousands of maybe millions of lifetimes can work their way back to becoming a human being again. Well, you don't think there's justice, but all you've got to do is look at this system. Yep, you spit at God in the eye. And something bad is likely to happen sometime. Well, in my opinion, and as best as I know, it is inevitable, based upon the mathematics of the process that they're involved in, Uh, and logically speaking as well, that all people who are evil will eventually crack if they don't themselves gradually change their position and get back to being uh, a normal, enlightened, relatively enlightened human being. Uh, That's still possible, although very suffering and painful. It can be done without going through the cracking process. But you've got to be consistent and faithful, and you know, it's really hard. And you're certainly not going to stay in the, a sphere to do it, which opens you up to the possibility of cracking, whether you like it or not, faster. So it's a big chance. But anyway, back to detail. <laughs> so we've got this situation that these these monstrous beings, who actually are subhuman, um, may end up spending far longer than they had as a quote-unquote immortality in the most severe suffering cases. Wow. So just remember, next time you do run over an earthworm, (laughs) or bait one on a hook, or feed one to a chicken, um, it might be a dark master. Well, the body of one, anyway. Now, remember, the consciousness of that master doesn't die. But unlike human beings, the master does not go on to astral life and to mental life and back to their soul. It just gets another body and goes on. Gradually, as it raises its consciousness and its senses, it can sense more. It moves to a different form of animal. Yeah, that's all it does. That takes a very, very, very long time. All right. So you think you have a bad... Just imagine what these monstrous beings are going to have to face. So I guess we could have a little bit of pity for the evil ones. I don't have a lot. You know, I figure that uh, this is called karmic, you know, stuff. I mean, I mean, you know... I, You know, on one side, I, I can feel... You know, well, you know, they are kind of human. They are getting a break, actually. They're going to make it back eventually. But uh, looking at it from the other side, all that terribleness, the suffering that caused to so many others, they certainly going to pay for it. It's way better than any system humans have as far as justice is concerned. This is really a good system. I like it. I like it. All right. So, the door to evil... <laughs> is the way that evil can get out and possess people in different quarters than where they exist. It, it, yeah, they have some of this going on among their underlings in the A-sphere. But they can't really take a lot of power from them because they don't want them cracking, right? That would that could cause a snowball. Right? But what they do is they, they venture out into three places, really. And... Uh, the three places are the following. The easiest place for them to get to is right next door, the seventh subplane of the afterworld and also the sixth. Those two subplanes uh have had the door to evil open to them for a long time and um evil can come and go pretty easily from those places. I wrote a I wrote a novel, supposedly a novel. It's mostly based upon the truth, but uh called Afterlife Love. And, uh, one of the characters met some of these evil dudes. And they're hench beings, because they tended to, uh, evilize some, some forms of animal life. And, uh, we'll talk about that, too. And, uh, so what they do is they, they get, get out in about the seventh hemisphere, or in six, a seventh and six, sub uh, sub excuse me, and, uh. They look for people who are selfish, and you know there's a heck of a lot of them that live there that are. And they're looking for the most selfish ones because those are the ones they can get to do the most of true atrocious acts of others. And uh, they take as much as possible right? and to subject other people to their will and force. And that's very good. Remember, the will is the first first part of God's mind. Purpose, will, all the like, same, Choices. And um, they limit the choices of others while they supposedly gain more themselves. All right. And uh this is their MO. They go there first to gain power. Now the ones who were who are uh we'll call them more advanced, they seek to gain power over humans that are physically alive. Physical uh physical life is more forceful which is good, because they love that. Oh, more force, boom, blah, blah, blah. And it gives them a lot more to go um, in terms of uh, keeping their bodies going and being able to uh, literally uh, convert the uh, etheric physical energy into uh, their form of astral energy, which gives them a lot more. It takes a ton more of 7th or 6th sub-plane uh, astral energy ton more of that to help them in terms of their bodies and senses than it does of physical energy. So, a little physical energy goes a long way. Why is that? Because the energy is much denser, the elemental energy that's available here is really dense. And it gives them a lot, a little bit goes a long way. So, a little dab will do you from here and then if you're going over there, you've got to use a whole bunch more. But only if they dare. Okay like playing on these old words from my youth. Anyway, going back to what I was saying. They they say they got a system. They actually have a formula for this. I, I'm not going to give any of the formulas out because I don't know anybody Well, I got it from this guy Niles on the radio. It's his fault that I went evil. I just was using his mathematical formula. All right, you won't get it from me. but, but actually there is a formula for using uh, both the astral and the uh, the physical energy together uh, to compose the ideal uh, levels of efficiency in becoming an evil being. And so they, they use this. And they also sometimes uh, also inhabit someone in electromagnetic or etheric form. Uh, we call them ghosts. And there's, not, there's only a few thousand ghosts in the whole world. I don't want people to oh, there's ghosts everywhere. No, there's, they're pretty rare. But they do sometimes um, possess them. And that's what the possession is about. The possession is really, literally, not just stealing energy from uh, a human, but taking over the bodies and senses for a while to get the human to basically steal more energy from others. And to take that energy as long as long, and lo- along with some ad- additional energy, if they can, if they can afford it, from the human that they're possessing. Sometimes they don't take anything from the possessing being, just from those that they take from. But uh, it's a very good system because it works. They, they uh it's efficient, and it has a uh, we'll say a sinister outcome to Literally, get more and more people to become evil. It's definitely that pyramid system. And it it, it has worked for ages, a long time. Uh, humans are the only beings, innately, that become evil. Uh, you could make animals evil, but it's not their innate sense, their innate quality. They don't become it themselves. Humans indoctrinate and enforce it on certain types of animal life forms. But humans are the only kind because humans have two senses that uh, give them some understanding of God, their creator, and some um, ability to sense how to become God. But those senses can be reversed. So you can misunderstand God. (laughs) That's really helpful. And you can uh, also try to destroy God by destroying what God's creation is, which is life. God created life so that all life could be free to grow itself, and if it chooses, to co co grow God. <laughs> now, evil chooses not to co grow God. That's a tricky way of saying co grow God. Real fast, say it three times. But anyway, uh, you you can't you cannot get you cannot get uh, a person who has these two senses working very well. Uh, that have enough enlightenment, so to speak. Enlightenment just means that they function right um, to become evil. You got the sense, those two senses have to be kind of askewed, not working properly, wrong phase relationship to God, and um, uh, a bunch of other stuff. They have to be used to be to do evil things, so that they don't sense God anymore. And then you got you got the person going. You got them. Right? And that's how and why they function from a sphere. The door to evil gives them this way. And there's been a third door that is kind of opening to the seventh and sixth subplanes of the monastic or mental dimension in time and space. And if you're just listening to the show for the first time, you're probably, you're probably thinking, what? what dimension is it? Well, I, when we come back, I'll tell you a little more about that, too. And I'll fill in a little bit about the dimensions. We're gonna take a break in a minute, but I think that right now let's just kind of sum up the beginning of the show. What are we talking about? Well, evil's got a plan, and its plan is to take over the universe one one being at a time. It's a human invention. It's a desire to be one's creator, but not to join one's creator, but to be to replace it. <laughs> A human being being God, okay, but that's what it wants to do, that's what it thinks. And it believes it's got a system, and the system is uh, pretty much the same anywhere you go. And most, I didn't mention that earlier, but most people don't know that. Evil is pretty, you know, that's the reason that it works off a root soul, because that root soul keeps it constant. And when it learns something one place, it's like everybody's got it. Okay, real fast. There's a lot of advantages to the system, but we'll go further with it. And um, I hope this has kind of at least started our show with what the topic is about. And uh, I'll go much deeper into a lot of this stuff and make it more practical when we come back in about, oh, give or take, two and a half minutes from right now. Hun, what book are you reading?
2: It's a novel, kind of, about romance, love, and spiritual life in general.
3: Kind of a novel? What do you mean?
2: Well, it's based on some real-life experiences and even real characters, some of their experiences are fascinating and remarkable. I can't put this book down. How come the title is Afterlife Love? That's part of the fascination. This book describes the afterlife in intricate detail and even explains why things are the way they're explained.
3: But how can anyone write about or know that?
2: Some of the characters travel out of body to some places that people who've already died also go to. I'm finding it completely believable because it all makes sense and fits into a bigger picture for me. Hon, what happens to these people? You can read it for yourself when I'm done if you want. Better yet, I'll get my own copy so we can discuss it while we read. Let me see. I'll write down the title. It's Afterlife Love by Niles McFlower. M-A-C-F-L-O-U-E-R.
3: Afterlife Love is available in some bookstores and from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com or 480-966-3132. That's 480-966-3132.
2: Hi, everyone. Since childhood, I've had questions about my life and life in general that I couldn't find adequate answers to. Questions like, why am I here? Why are others here? Does the universe have a purpose? And how does that relate to my life? More recently, I've been wondering what happens when we die, especially the reasons why. I'm more of a doubter than a believer in many things, and answers that include the whys allow me to think and figure out the truth for myself. I've been reading a book life's hidden meaning this one book contains more answers including the wise than all other sources i've read or heard it's amazing to me that every one of my questions has been thoroughly answered more importantly i have found that all of these answers so far have checked out to be true i hope this message helps some of you in your quest for better understanding The name of this wonderful book is, again, Life's Hidden Meaning by metaphysician Niles McFlower. Some bookstores sell it. I got my copy directly from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com. Life's Hidden Meaning may enlighten your mind and bring some peace and joy to your heart.
0: we're back. This is Why Life Is. I'm Niles McFlower. Tonight, hey, we're talking about possession and the door to evil. Yep. And uh, uh, I just got told by the engineer of the show uh, that he's really enjoying it. I'm glad he is. You know, sometimes I, I hit the right button. <laughs> but I also told him he can, he can have a discussion with me anytime he wants about it. And you guys can too if you want to email me and set up a time, You talk to me. I'm, I'm available, believe it or not. All right, so let's talk about then this dimensionality thing because, of course, I said I wasn't going to cover much about it, but I better say something because I, if you just tuned in and you never heard this show before, you've got to go, what is he talking about? So we live here in the physical world. This is the first place we, as a human being, begin life. It's the only place we can begin life, actually. And our soul, the part of us that doesn't choose to come here, I can't blame it, uh, sends a part of itself, which is us, here. We have a personality, which is the subconscious part of us. We have a self, which is the conscious part of us. And we have connections with our soul. And uh, some of those connections are pretty strong and helpful. Uh, And we have senses about God that I just mentioned before we went to break. And uh, those two senses are very important, and we have two of those senses in three different bodies. And those three bodies are our physical body. Everybody knows about that one. <laughs> if you're listening to me, better. And then, um, then there's an astral body, which is our emot- emotional body. That's the body when you have a feeling about things. Oh, I feel this. I feel that. You know, you see somebody who's cute across the street. Oh, wow! I got a feeling. Uh, if you got that kind of feeling, or any other kind of feeling for that matter, uh, that's because you have an astral body. That's where those feelings come from. They're senses that are somewhat similar to the senses that your physical body has, but it's wee 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 way more subtle energy. So it isn't very dense, and it has a, has a different uh, dimensionality to it. It's a, it's a different body, and you don't even know about. it. But it's right there, but just in a different part of time and space. And then, uh, in addition, we have a third body, which is our menacea, or mental body. And the lower part of that mental body is exclusively for us as a human. Our soul is in the upper half, the upper part of that body, the higher mental body. We're in the lower mental body. Well, what's the mental mental body about? Well, it's all about thought. You know, one body is feeling. You know, the astral body is about feeling, and and, and the thought that's in the astral body is creative imagination, which we all have that imagination. You know what it's about, but and desires. It has a lot of desires. You know, people want to desire this or that, and evil uses those desires. I'm going to tell you more about that. But the mental body, the mental body is thought that is mental thought. It's thought that gets to. we'll say, the truth of things. It's thought that has logic and reason. It's thought that expresses itself by words and sentences. the normal way everybody communicates, right? So that's that's what that body's about. And strangely, or maybe not so strange, uh, those dark dudes in the astral world actually have made a little bit of an inroad into the seventh and sixth subparts, or subplane parts, of, uh, of many human uh, mental bodies, yeah, and they're, it's connected by a strong desire or a series of desires in the sixth and seventh subparts of the astral body, where they have direct contact with, and they're able to kind of uh, wedge their way into the mental sphere by those strong desires that people have. If you don't have them, they can't get to you. So let's say you got a strong desire become uh, to uh, to have a uh, a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Very strong desire. Gotta have one of those girlfriends boyfriend. And the desire is stronger than the level of truth that exists in your sixth and seventh parts of your mental lower mental mind. The truth that exists there. If you compare the two, the truth versus the desire to Oh, feel, yeah, feeling is the desire, feeling, and you want to feel more than you want to think the truth of. Then that's the that's the ticket for the dark ones to that's you, because they can they can use that as a tool, and it's mathematical. It's that, that strange thing about math again, and you can compare it. just almost a add subtract kind of thing, and you can compare them, and you can say, whoa. Someone is more open than others to this happening to them because their desire, or desires, usually compound, are stronger than the level of thought and truth that they're using on the sixth and seventh uh, subplanes. And they'll work weaseling their way up to the fifth subplane where uh, instead of it being about physical things and astral things, astral things are like uh, love and romance and sex. And physical things are like, oh, give me a new car. I want a new car. I want better clothes. I want to have a nice, comfortable. Name. Okay, those things versus versus uh, the ability to create more of their career by using those same thoughts to create a more enlightened, truthful world. So we could call it service changing that into some form of service.
1: And it competes
0: when somebody reaches the halfway point on the service scale. <laughs> if they go past that and they're controlled by the desire part, ooh, bad, bad, bad stuff. And they won't serve and they'll stop serving. But they'll also they'll also become open to possession. Any Anywhere past about two-thirds or so of the way, um, they, they become easy pickings for... Uh, you know, ooh, the dark ones. So there is a mathematics to this, and again, I don't want to reveal too much about that because someone will just, oh, I got the mathematical for you. now I can do it better. Okay, so what happens? What What's the story with this? Well, we got three different bodies that can have the door to evil open to it based upon how we choose to live. Honestly, how we choose to live. Now, this is the weird part about it. The easiest place for the dark ones to possess somebody is in their astral body. It's sort of like the, the big the big easiest place because it's right next door. I mean, they're in the 8th sphere. They can go to seven, six subplanes. They can directly work with beings there and have some effect on us. There's all kinds of stuff they can do. It's harder for them to have an effect. The hardest place to have an effect is directly in the physical world but they affect how we choose to behave in the physical world by our thinking mentally and not seeing truth anymore instead of choosing to to rationalize our own, literally, desires, which are sometimes referred to as lammers, but desires, strong desires for all kinds of feelings that we want to have. Feelings are like the money of the World. It's what people really want. They don't want things so much like we want, in the physical world, they want to feel something a certain way, and the feeling will dominate. It'll their their truth will go out the window. They won't they won't see it, and the next thing you know, they're living their life for their desire. Well, then when that happens, they're easy pickings for the dark side to possess them, and for them to just literally go zingo zango sideways and not towards a a, a better life an enlightened life. So this is the general way we're looking at it. So there's really three doors to evil, we could claim. Uh, one of them reaches into the lower, uh, lowest part of the lower mental world, uh, the other to the lowest part of the astral world, and then the, the last, really the more difficult one for them to possess anybody is here in the physical world directly. But physical possession in the physical world Uh, means that the person, the self of the person is gone. It really happens here. It tends to happen most often with people who are severely abused. Children sometimes, you know, they're they're abused physically or sexually, but they, they're really open to it. Uh, It can happen to people who are in the etheric part of the physical world, like uh, a person who's died but doesn't want to go on to the astral world, stay too long in the etheric, and they can become ghosts, in effect, and then that, ghost is much easier to possess. But, so certain types of people are more possessible, particularly in the physical world. The majority of people that are possessed who live in the physical world are not fully possessed physically. They actually are possessed mostly astrally and mentally. Yeah. Because it's just a lot easier. Uh, and because people really act and look bizarre when they start becoming truly physically possessed. We usually lock them up, you know, if we can get them. And, I mean, the, those are the people that we really think they're, well, that's some kind of uh, illness, mental and some of, some of it is that, but in reality, if it's this complete takeover of self, then it's possession. Then it's the real deal. Usually a person has a psychosis uh, that accompanies a physical possession. Sometimes it could be hysterical. Uh, neurosis, or sometimes it's ex- uh, well, it's not really neurosis. It's hysterical personality disorder. Or it's a severe form of neurosis, I mean extreme form of neurosis. But in most cases, it is a psychosis that doesn't. This, this is the kind of thing that happens when uh, people are choosing the wrong way to live. Now, there is another side to possession physically, which um, these days has become more prominent, and that is drugs, uh, and I'm including alcohol, including anything that you consume or that you inject or inhale, in you know, some way get it into your body, a substance abuse. And those have really taken over uh, for a lot of what we used to be more, we'll say, um, Psychological, purely psychological means of possession. And that has given the dark side a really uh, step-up to possessing more and more physical people. Alcohol used to be the main modality, and now the drugs are really uh, much more common. They're more powerful, and they allow the the evil one, or ones, but usually one, uh, to... Uh, get more energy from the person uh, and effectively destroy their bodies in, in, in a sense faster uh, with less effort and danger of cracking it. So it's much easier to deal with a druggie than, uh, or alcoholic, if you feel there's a difference, uh, than someone who is just purely psychologically and mentally ill. Because the druggie, uh, by relying upon the substance to weaken their nature, particularly their spiritual nature, uh, is uh, is has less will employed, uh, because they substitute for the will the addiction, and that allows the dark when it's uh, trying to get them to do what they want, what what the dark one wants. to do it with, with much greater ease. Strangely, people who are mentally ill sometimes can be very obstinate <laughs> at various moments. And if uh, if they aren't drugged, uh, they have sometimes enough will to keep the possession from becoming complete. So you're better off probably being mentally crazy <laughs> than and a, a seriously addicted drug addict. Uh, at least as far as possession is concerned. But there isn't that much difference. Another thing that's important here is there's a thing called the web. What the heck is the web? It's an energy field composed of selfishness that a person creates in each uh, lifetime, starts at birth, and it protects the human being while they're physically alive from their astral feelings and their mental thoughts joining with their physical feelings, their physical senses, in an immediate sense. So they think before they act, they feel before they act, they act last before they do the other two, and they they can delay actions easier. So they don't suddenly act out their emotive and intellectual or mental functions in the same time period. Now, you might say, well, that seems to be a disadvantage. Well, it is a disadvantage. But the advantage is it makes them less easily possessed. It makes them less likely to suddenly act out an urge that they have or a mental thought that they have without giving it more consideration and uh, the time that it takes to become actualized in the physical body. Is a good period of time for the person to determine whether or not it's good or not for them and for others. So it slows down what is a maligned process, and you don't want it to go fast. So, as weird as it seems, the very thing that slows the senses from unifying, which makes the person really become enlightened over time, uh, saves them from becoming um, too easily possessed and too easily... Uh, very selfish and destructive to others. So that's a good thing, and, uh, and everybody's got it. Um, some people, uh, as they spiritually develop themselves, reduce, over and over time eliminate these uh, webs because the bodies are actually becoming unified, and the senses are growing and becoming uh, more like a singular operation instead of all these different senses functioning nearly independent of each other at times. So you've got more of a a unified sense. And with a unified sense, your field of creation becomes much larger and much more accurate, and your creations become much greater. So it's a good thing we do that. It's a really good thing. All right, so the dark side has to get rid of that. Uh, And one of the greatest things for it is substance abuse again. Hey, nothing like drugs... Well, what the drugs do is they put holes in the webs. And the more the drugs are used, the more holes you put in the webs, and you can't put the, put the webs back again until your next life in most circumstances. So you've got all these holes, and that allows more easily being possessed. It allows a person to become, uh, let's say, less effective at being disciplined. Either mundanely and especially spiritually. Yeah, if you get a lot of holes in your webs, you've got trouble. And now, drugs aren't the only reason you get holes in your webs. I mean, just selfishness in itself, which normally builds the webs, but if you use it in ways that is very, very specialized, you actually can put holes in the webs. So it's a, a, kind of a double edged thing. And uh, some people do that. Yeah, they do. And there's there's a lot of other ways that these parts of us can be um, interfered with so that ultimately our life can be on the skids. Give will literally spiral out of control and destroy themselves. Drugs are pr- probably the worst part of it now right now. In in this world, that's a really bad thing today. Yep, I know. It's a kind of a, a little bit dismaying to... Think about that people are doing so many things to cause harm to themselves uh, when we're here to create more of God. That's what we really came for. That's what we really came for. And when we go back, you know, I didn't say this, when you go back to the system, you die from the physical body. You live in your astral life for much longer than you live while you're uh, physically alive. In time there, time is dilated, so there's a difference in time. And then you go on to live in the mental, lower mental body, even longer. And then you choose, and you can completely rejoin your soul consciously, or you can fall asleep and just rejoin it. But in either case, you become back into the soul again. And the soul is immortal. And then you say, well, one before then, you realize you're immortal. You, almost everybody in the mental world knows they're immortal. They're going back to be their soul. And a lot of people in the astral world actually do that. That this is this subject has become lost. It was known about. In antiquity, but it's become lost to people who are physically alive because the dark side has been very, very successful. Evil has been so successful at getting us to misunderstand death and not understand anything about what life is about. And this is the real crux of the problem, and it's why evil is successful far more than it should be in possessing people. I mean, the system is not an easy system to possess somebody. And yet they're so successful because we make it so. We do it ourselves by um, not recognizing what God is, not understanding it. I mean, faith alone is not enough. We need a better understanding, too. That's a fortunate thing for some religions. And, in addition, we also need, very much, to keep our senses to the point where we can sense God ourselves. That's not to say that you don't need religion. Religion is a faith issue, and it's a way of worshiping God. Those are good things. and are not terrible. For a lot of people, it's a very helpful part of existence. But faith alone will not completely relieve uh, the fear of death. Now, some people say it does, and there's no question that there's uh, a large number of people in some religions that claim, well, I have all the faith I need, but... They say it, but a lot of times those people do get possessed. So you know that it can't be true. Possession, ipso facto, I mean, like it's very clear. Automatically, just looking at it, you can see it. Possession means that somebody is afraid of death, and they wouldn't be. Ultimately, that's one of the things that I, I tell people, but. You know, it's hard for some people to understand that because there's so many intervening characteristics of possession. So many. Let's talk about what it means to be possessed. Possession means to a person, no matter what body we're talking about, the partial or complete loss of one or more of the seven main senses in that body. Partial or complete. Now, partial possession is the partial loss of one or more senses in a person's body. Now, what if you have a combination? Let's say that you have one sense that is completely possessed and another sense that's partially possessed. That can happen, by the way. Um, then the person goes in and out of full possession into partial possession. When you are possessed because your senses are being taken over by the mm-hmm, Uh, a a, a dark being when that takes place the the lack of information you get from the sense causes a person to no longer have good memory or good thought about what they do or say or anything about the time when they are partially or fully possessed if they are fully possessed they will remember nothing if they are partially possessed they will remember some things and confabulate which means they lie to themselves, fill in the rest of fantasies and stuff, so that it may not resemble anything about what really happened. And they may do the same uh, if it's brought to their attention that they don't have a memory or a sense of something. They'll confabulate that, too. So, the sense, the lack of a sense is unknown to the self. It's subconscious. It's part of the personality's whole as well, but uh, the personality might even know that it was possessed, but it won't let the self know it in some circumstances. I mean, that is so weird. So, our subconscious may not let our conscious know that, hey, we were possessed. Now, why would it do that? Well, because it's afraid. It's afraid of loss of control, and that means it definitely was out of control because something else was controlling it. Oh, it makes sense. I know. Okay. Now, I'm telling you as a shrink, but I'm also telling you as a as a person trying to explain the physics of our universe and things tonight that are a little bit strange to some people. All right, so possession is that. Possession, it doesn't matter which body we're talking about. It can happen in more than one body at the same time. So a person can be possessed in their astral body and how they feel, and it can be possessed in their physical body, how they're interacting, or their mental body. And usually it's the complement connection that is the most easily possessable, which is the astral body first with the mental body, and not necessarily so much the physical body that is possessed. That's how most possessions take place. And most of them are partial, but depending upon the nature of the being that is possessing the person, that's the big deal, the difference. I mean, if the grand master of the dark, you know, the supreme being of the dark side, possesses you, you're in big trouble. Because that, that dude does not possess anybody, just a little bit. You're likely to be possessed in extreme measure, you have virtually no memory of what you say or even do. If you do remember what you say and do, that's about all you remember because you won't remember why. You won't remember what other people say and do to you virtually at all. So you just fill in the blank called confabulation. And then, when the being says, Well, I tell you this, I'll go on to another. I've sucked enough energy from this person and they've done my bidding. They've gone and destroyed or done something harmful to others. Um, then once the being's gone, you don't even know what happened. don't know what hit you. don't know why. And you just rationalize everything until the next possession comes. If ever. I mean, it has to be. Wow. Now, the really dark ones can do this kind of super-duper possessing. Then you got all kinds of levels of dark beings and human beings, so to speak, that uh, possess just lightly. They get a little bit of power from you for 30 seconds a day or something. You know, just enough to keep them going. They do it with so many people that they still stay wonderfully alive and think they're doing fine, and you may not notice it. Especially if you're a person who um, does small amounts of some drugs, uh, it could be here and there uh, uh, a few seconds to a minute of possession and not even realize it. Yeah, it can be that subtle or it could be extreme. This is no uh, easy subject to talk about because for most people, it seems almost incredulous that it could be that someone could have this happen to them and not even realize it. Well, let me tell you. If you're selfish, it just makes the whole thing work a lot better. So selfishness is the real, we called call it ticket to get a uh, possessing being to ride inside you someone. And so when you get that way because you're selfish, you're leaving yourself open at any particular time to becoming possessed. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. It just means that you've got the door open you can say, hey, Somebody want to come on in? I'm available. Hey, I just smoked this. I just took this drug. I just drank that. It healed something. I did something. Or I just plain took things from others. I like taking stuff from other people. What the heck? You know what? I'll figure out some way to cheat somebody. I'll figure out some way to hurt somebody. I like hurting people when I don't get what I want makes me feel good to hurt somebody else that didn't give me what I wanted. That particular kind of self interest that one that I just mentioned, it's called retribution, you know, I'll fix you. you know, you're not giving me what I want, I'll fix you. has with it a multiplication of ten times the amount of, it's called karma, but the, the amount of force for the amount of giving that you didn't give, so you didn't give, you didn't give a little bit. It took something, right? You didn't give a little bit, and the result is you, you lose ten times that in force against yourself. And as the forces gain, you become a, a, an attractive morsel for some evil thing, being, person, so to speak. Um, to come in and possess you. It's like you're ripe for possession. Because the more forces you bring in your life, through all your selfishness, the better, more tasty, greater the level of that they collect from you in force, and the easier it is to possess you. So it, it's kind of like the best of both sides to the possessing being. It says, hey, not only are you easier to possess what? (laughs) I get a lot more out of it. Can't beat it. It's a good thing. That's why you don't want to do that. Now, I don't want people to just lead a quote-unquote better life or good life because they're afraid of getting possessed. That would not be really the right motive to have. But Anything might be of some help to get people at least to think about it. I know there's religious religions and people who preach these religions that do get people to be afraid of being selfish or doing bad things because bad things will happen to them. That isn't the method that, in my opinion, God created in the universe to get people to find the path to God. It's kind of paradoxical, but let me try to figure it this way or explain it this way. When we want to or seek to really uh, become part of our Creator for the purpose of others becoming more like God, um, then the joy of it is its own reward, and we create wonders in ourselves from it that makes us also virtually not possessable. But if instead some preacher or some book or something scares you, frightens you, you're hell, you're going to get possessed by demons, the bad things are on hell, all this stuff, whatever you hear, that frightens you, um, then the change in behavior is not commensurate with the actual selfishness. The person is changing their behavior because they fear. They are changing their behavior because they love. So they don't find God anymore. They only find a modification in behavior to try to save themselves. And that, unfortunately, does not result in the best uh, best outcomes. It leaves people still open to possession. That, maybe that doesn't sound fair. For a lot of people will say, Well, I did something right, at least I I stopped the bad behavior, now, maybe I'm doing it for all the wrong reasons, so don't I get some credit? And why am I still getting possessed? Well, I know. Some people want to think they get some kind of point system for at least doing some things even if it's for the wrong reasons. They should it shouldn't be open to possession. But the truth of the matter is that they are still open to possession. It's just that the forces that are employed against them are not as great. And so they're not as tasty a morsel. They won't be possessed for as long a period of time. And uh, not as many possessing beings are interested in them because it's always better to go after the really raunchy, selfish people than those mediocre ones that do some good things just because they're afraid, but don't have good motives. But they will eventually uh, attract someone to them that is seeking to use them, because eventually the way the world is, the way the universe is, no matter how much you try to hide from it, if you have wrong motive, there will be some evil that will seek you out and uh, try to use you in you, and harm you eventually. It may take a while. This could go on for many years, decades possibly, before it catches up, but it will happen. And that's why you don't want to do that. But you've got enough time to change that. I mean, because it takes so long, you may have a year or two to fix it. If you want to get your motives right, you might have to make a lot of changes in who you are and how you're going to live your life. But you do get some time in the process. And for a lot of people, that's what they end up doing. The hardest thing is actually to change the motives. Isn't that weird? Okay, so, now we've got some pretty good understanding of some of the basics of uh, how evil works and uh, what possession is or isn't. Uh, Another thing I want to mention about possession is that some people think a person is possessed just because they're being selfish, or argumentative, hostile, or they commit some obscene act of violence. A lot of people think, oh, that person shot somebody, it must be, because they were possessed. And that's not necessarily true. Human beings can do terrible things to each other sometimes even people they very much care about, um, without being possessed. They can simply do it because they're angry, because they want to control others, because they have a need to do some harmful, terrible thing. Because it, it either advantages to them or it just releases a whole bunch of nasty feelings like that. That is not necessarily Possession. How do you denote the two differences? Well, people who are possessed lose sense significantly during the possessing time. It's not like a small difference. So to someone else, or to someone who can at least fathom a little bit what's going on to themselves, but usually uh, from other people's perspective, that's one way. You can ask them, well, this is what I recall happening. What do you recall? they have got a completely different story. You better worry about being possessed, okay? Now, what about being fully mentally ill? Most people who are fully mentally ill are possessed, but not all. And to some level they're possessed. But they're not as possessed as people who use drugs. So, okay. Then what does that mean? Well, mental illness in itself can cause people sometimes to resemble like they are possessed but they are actually not, or sometimes they're partially possessed, they go in and out of it, and a lot of times they're not. People who are usually addicted to drugs and using are, in that particular case, more often truly possessed when they do horrible acts. Now, here's the point. If someone is doing something that's really bad, you need to have some kind of communication with them Afterwards, to find out where their head was at, where they are now, and that sort of thing and they say, "Gee, I just you know I don't remember that much about it, but I know I did these things that That's getting into possession, and then you look at their motives and what they're going on, what's going on in their life, if you want them to stop being possessed, they've got to reduce the forces in their life by choosing to create more light in others." not in themselves, in others. The light in themselves will be created as they help to serve others in various ways. They have to do it in ways that are wise, not give others what they want, but give others what makes them into better givers themselves. Did you follow that? Because that's very important. That's the key to getting unpossessed. If you yourself are having that problem, that's the answer. That's the ticket. Uh, you can read some of this in the textbook I wrote, Life's in Meaning. There's whole sections on how Mm -hmm. to get yourself to do these things and to change who you are from maybe a relatively selfish person who is uh, somewhat, maybe not all that conscious to becoming very conscious, fully conscious of who you are, what you're doing, why you're doing it. And create yourself into an enlightened person. When you do that, you're doing it through service to others, not by doing anything specifically to yourself. There's some degree of reflection and contemplation. There's definitely some of that. There's some degree of education, but it still involves how you interact with others. If you don't interact in ways that reduces forces in their lives first and in your life, then the results are always going to be something quite negative outcome will be negative, no matter how much you study, no matter how much you can repeat all told tonight's show. It won't matter. You need to be looking at your life from that particular direction. Live a life in God's light, and you will not fail. You will not become possessed. Others around you might. You can try to serve them, and that's a whole other thing, and we're going to start talking about that. All right. So what can you do? Let's say that someone around you is possessed or you think they're going in and out of possession. What can you do about that? Well, the first thing is to be a model of trying to show them what it's like not to be possessed. So don't get possessed yourself or at least be, you know, hostile and very angry at them, harsh with them. You've got to be firm. You have to draw boundaries and limits. Do not let somebody who is acting possessed, even partially, to have their way and to not cooperate or share with you, or to be hostile in any particular way, unloving. And don't let them lie. Don't let them be untruthful. Give them the option, if they want to relate with you, to do so in ways that are towards both of your benefits and or others, and to help them to think more clearly, see truth better, that sort of thing. Do as much as you can. And it's still up to them to make the decision whether or not they want to follow this wise, loving way, or they want to go down some road of desirous selfishness that leads to possessions and destruction. You know, it can be very destructive to them as much as to anybody else, but they still go along with it because the possessing being kind of is in control of the situation, unfortunately. If you find yourself in that particular circumstance, also in the list of late eight of others uh it can be helpful sometimes to literally team up and deal with people who are possessed because possessed people are particular, particularly um sensitive to a group of people uh they don't they don't like that they prefer a one-on-one or one-on-two per, uh, situation than a one-on-five or ten. Because the others, in the ten people, they can't fool them. They can't lie to all ten of the people. Somebody's going to get to the point of saying, hey, you know, you are looking like you're possessed. And you're saying these things don't make any sense. And, of course, as people work with you, work together, you work as a team to try to help the other person to be more functioning as a part of God than as a part of the dark side. Now, there's some people that are very badly possessed by very strong evil that you're not going to be able to do anything with. I mean, and sometimes these are very powerful people. They could be leaders of countries. They could be, who knows? And your your chances of changing those folks are virtually zero because they know that they're more powerful than you or any group of people that you may bring to assist in the situation. And since they only respond to power, that's what they're going to do, you see. When someone really believes they are more powerful, it's very difficult to get them to change their position no matter what, because they live and breathe it. And evil is better at using power. So that's a whole other problem. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But So you you get into a situation where if you want to change somebody, you need to be aware that uh, evil does not like thinking about the future. It doesn't like planning, remember that? So try to get the person to talk about the future. Now, if they won't talk about the future, that's almost a dead sign that they're possessed. Oh, the clearest diagnostic thing is they will not say one word about what they're going to do tomorrow, next year, next lifetime. They won't talk about the future. Because the future has to do with consciousness. And when evil is possessing someone, it doesn't want any challenge to its level of consciousness And the future. Thinking about the future drains them of that and challenges them. And they may lose more power than they gain. In the outcome. So to keep the power within themselves, the evil beings that are possessing anybody, um, attempt to always get the person to talk about the past, and what happened in the past, or at most what's happening right now in the present, but not anything about the future. Not at work. It also keeps the person far more emotional, and that's where evil is in its focus keeps a person much more emotional if you don't talk about the future. you got to be mental to some extent to talk about the future. And so that's another clear sign, and it's also an effective way of trying to get somebody out of being possessed is to get them to think about and talk about the future. So their emotionality will, will immediately die down. They'll become much more reasonable, and the possessing entity will find no way to gain power or steal sense from the person and they may stamp back into their normal more themselves, so to speak, consciousness. So that's a suggestion, and it's a good one, because uh, it really works. Someone's really being possessed badly by some very strong evil being. That isn't going to work. You can try it, but you will find it won't work. Then there isn't a lot that can be done, If you could get a group of people, maybe, maybe, because, again, they don't like dealing with groups, but that may not be practical or useful at the time. It is a difficult process from that standpoint. And trying to get somebody out of possession who doesn't want to get out of possession is nearly impossible. Because it's the will of the person that's involved in it. You see. Now, with mentally ill people, you can, you know, lock them up for a while, put them in a straitjacket, or, you know, whatever. But that, that's an extreme measure to try to help them to not hurt anybody, including themselves. Sure, you have responsibility maybe to do that. But the point is that for most people. Possession is not an issue of mental illness it's a possession it's a it's an issue of that person being connected in with a dark being and there's little you can do about it. Some people that are possessed are possessed by multiple beings dark beings be aware of that too and now let's talk about some some other things now let's talk some people people now that are not yet living in the A-sphere, so we won't exactly call them part of the dark hierarchy, the evil hierarchy, are evil, and they live in the six and 7 subworld of the astral plane. There's people living there. And they actually spend some time looking to possess people both in their realm, in the six or seven astral sub-worlds, and if they can collectively do so, they work together. Then they work on possessing uh, either in two or more, usually they look for four, eight, ten, twelve people at a time, working together from like the six or seven subplane to try to possess somebody here in the physical world. They're looking for mentally ill people, but usually these days they're looking for, for drug addicts. And then they get them to usually perform or, and, and act out in all kinds of criminal and, uh, we we'll call it, perverted sexual ways, and numerous terrible ways of being destructive to others. And they really get off on this because they love the excitement and feeling. The possessing, possession gives them the same feelings, the physical feelings, of the person they are uh, possessing as well as their astral together. And they love that sensation because they're in the astral world. They don't have much of a... They don't have any physical body. So if you get that feeling, it's much more intense to them than sexual feelings are in the astral world, particularly the kind that they like, which are these more perverted kinds of uh, sexual interactions. Perverted means just highly selfish, uh, ridiculously uh, against the way that sexual energy is supposed to be used between two loving people. And so they seek it to be a non-loving, purely exploitive sexual interaction, oftentimes uh, with need to control, manipulate, and even being hostile. And they get a significant amount of the feeling, both physical and astral, transmitted into their body, their senses, which they really revel on, and they find it to be tremendously uh, like a big, uh, great experience. They actually have parties and get together and try to do this sort of thing, uh, looking for potential victims who are vibrating with the same kind of feeling that they have at the time, and then they collectively use their feelings to try to uh, possess uh, people who are here. Now, that's kind of scary. And they're not not—they're not like the supreme dark beings. These are just collections of people who want to feel certain things that they miss and want while they're astrally alive. And, so, and then you have multiple beings possessing people. And that's a terrible, terrible consequence, because it's more difficult to awind uh, this something. Of, more difficult to free the person from the possessing beings, because there's a bunch of them. And they do get tired and let me try to explain that. Uh, when, in order to create this link of possession, they have to get their astral body. Uh, to uh, be in sync with the astral body of the person they're possessing. Well, this in-syncness has to do with matching some of the desires to be the same. They have to keep the uh, strength or amplitude of these desires to be equal. And it's not that easy to do. It's, it's, uh, It's actually fairly complicated. And they tire. They get tired. They love the feeling, but it tires out their own senses. And... When they do this, they don't necessarily build their own senses. They're using up their senses to feel the feelings that they're getting from the person who's doing it here in the physical world. And so their own senses can get tired, leaving them open to future possessions in their own world while they're doing this. And at the same time, they uh, uh, may not not, uh, actually... Uh, keep their level of consciousness, they may lose some levels of their own consciousness in the process. So what they do to try to mitigate some of this problem is they get together with others. Two or more, oftentimes like four, six, eight, who knows how many get together because they can share the load of it. They don't get as much in terms of sensing, but they get enough so it's worthwhile. And they don't lose so much of their own senses percentage-wise, so it's a benefit, as far as they're concerned, to have more people involved than less. And this is just done wholesale in these 2 subworlds. It's actually done a bit more in the 6th subworld than it's even done in the seventh. And you might say, well, why? Doesn't the people in the seventh, they would want to have the physical feelings more than the astral people do in the sixth. That's somewhat true, except that they also find it more difficult to do it. So they have to get even more people involved. It has to be more organized. They're better at organizing. They're good at organizing. But it just takes a little bit more, whereas the people in the 60s, they can kind of do it almost ad hoc, not too much organized, and get away with it. Uh, They don't feel as strong of the sensations uh but they uh it, they do it more as uh more like a, uh, a relatively short term uh roller coaster ride in comparison to uh, spending a half a day immersed in it so they kind of a few minutes here and there. Rather than immersing themselves for a very long times, which the people in the seventh subworld tend to do, that so there's a there's a kind of a, a big difference in their way of possessing. The same is true of the people they actually possess in their own realm. Yeah, they do that too. Now, how strange is that? They go around sort of like vampires, I guess is the way to look at it. It may seem crazy, but they're they're looking to steal sense from people who are there in the in the astral world with them, that subworld, and they're looking to do it in a way that uh will give them the most amount or the least amount of uh, effort in doing it. So they're looking for people who are weak in sense. Sometimes they're older in 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 astral age. And sometimes they're just people who have been floppy and very selfish and they've diminished their senses to the point where it's easy to sense easy to possess them and take some of their sense. While their the senses are being taken, these people oftentimes are only semi conscious. The people the victims are only semi conscious because they're so they're possessed so intimately closely by others and it's like they're they may even have nightmares of what is actually taking place to them. It's a terrible, terrible experience. And some people fall into this over and over again, because they have lived such a selfish life, they've diminished their senses so they can't even protect themselves from this sort of possessing uh, behavior. It happens in the seventh subworld and the sixth subworld, and it happens all over the place. It's really what I would consider to be the hell of those worlds. And people, if they live there long enough and are selfish enough, fall into this to become victims eventually. And they have been may have been the perpetrators uh years earlier. So the people who start off doing this in perpetration to the weaker ones become oftentimes later on a victim themselves. You might say, Oh good for them <laughs> i <I'll> victim <pick them. laughs> Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, it does. It kind of does fix them. I mean, it it leaves them in a position where they're not really, what you would say, almost a human being anymore. They're just sort of like an object to be used by others for all the terrible things that they did in earlier times. You could say, well, that seems like justice to me, and maybe it is. Um, It's not punishment. It is a result of a physics experiment. Involving energy and sense or form. And it's what happens when you put the whole equation together. It's not, it's not like, oh, well, somebody up there is making a decision and that person is going to live a life of hell. Actually, they created it themselves. They made it for themselves and produced the results for themselves. And it's one of the most obscene things to view People can become possessed for days at a time in the astral world. And you get people jumping in and jumping out and it's a terrible kind of thing. There are marauding groups of people looking for victims to kind of, we'll call it, rape of sense the people who have diminished their senses to these low levels. And they were probably members of a marauding group decades earlier, maybe a hundred years earlier. Wow, that's how it works. Now this is just the sixth and 7th subworld. Also, evil gets involved in this. It's looking for the stars of the marauders because those are the best picks for bringing them into the A-sphere over time, getting them to give up their soul, which is the first evil initiation, and to become part of this whole evil system. Not everyone will do that, but enough do. And if it wasn't for possession, very few would. So possession is really the ticket. It's the way you keep the whole system of evil moving, and you need it. And it's strange that so few people, in my opinion, believe in it here in the physical world. A lot of people believe in God, but not that many people believe the possession of others actually does happen. Yet it's going on all over the place, especially if you listen to me, right? Well, I, I mean, I don't want you to think that, because because the fact of the matter is we've only talked about the sixth and seventh astral subworld, the sixth and seventh mental world, of course, here, the physical. But be aware that the fifth up of the astral world, the fifth of the first subworld, there's no possession. It really just doesn't happen there. There is a thing called thought police in the uh, fifth astral subworld where a group of people who think they know better uh, tend to control through what is known as a a kind of astral projected possession, others' people's astral thought, so that they don't think about certain things that these people consider to be, in a kind of collective level, uh, against the betterment of all. So they're kind of like controllers. You don't have to live in that system. You can leave and live in other places where they don't have these properties. Strangely, the majority of people choose to be part of it. They actually, it's voluntary to even become part of the populace. You know, where nobody like, goes out and says, "You want to sign up?" You know, it's it's a voluntary thing, and people come and go in it. But uh, most people that come in it want to want to do it because they think it adds to the benefit of everybody, because it it keeps people's creative imaginations from being destructive to other people. They think it gets rid of creativity, it limits or limits it tremendously in freedom. It costs some people their consciousness, and levels of interaction that aren't, uh, we'll say, expressly permitted are restricted. <laughs> wow, well, that isn't what I would call my cup of tea, but for the folks that live there, they actually want it if they participate. And there's other parts of the fifth sub-world where people don't want it, and they don't live with it. But nonetheless, that's like a, almost a voluntary possession thing. People say, possess me in case I'm doing my own imagination in ways that's not being, it's taking from others. And I, and I guess you would say that if it's voluntarily that you possess, get possessed, it you can't, you can't be claimed that a person is actually being malevolently, by their standards, uh, hurt, as they're choosing. They haven't happened. So that's one of the odd oddities. But then if we move from that sphere, we go to the fourth, third, second, first astral subworlds, no possession it just doesn't exist. Wow. Wow. No possession. Now, there are some other things that are different than possession, but in the in the third astral subworld the, the Some people that live in certain places, we call them the modernized cities, uh, prevent people from entering into their city by their own uh, design of what uh, we we'll call a device that comes from their thinking that prevents people from going through it unless they are conscious enough to function so they don't harm the invention that people use in that world. But that's not possession. Uh, that's just restriction. Possession is where you're taking over someone's senses, and you're not taking over the senses. You're just preventing them from going someplace, because their senses aren't strong enough to get through it. But, nevertheless, that is a more, we'll call it, hostile gesture, certainly. So when we look at this whole whole scenario, Most people don't live in a place where they can get possessed in the astral world or the mental world. And most people in the physical world most of the time are not possessed. (laughs) But there's still a lot of people that get possessed, and it's a big deal because it's the way that evil keeps itself going. Without the tool of possession you would close the door to where evil dwells. Now, what does that mean? It means that evil would not have a means of constantly getting more and more force, energy, in itself to replenish its own senses, and it would start cannibalizing its own existence. Instead of living much longer, it would quickly destroy itself. How do we do that? How do we close the door to where evil is dwelling? Well, we know where it dwells. It dwells in the eighth sphere But how do you close that door so that it can't happen yeah, because you would destroy evil on the whole planet, on a planetary basis? Wow. Planetary wide. Three-dimensional, too. Mental, astral, and... And physical, all, all of the places humans live in would be rid of evil. Wow, that sounds like a good idea if you ask me. Okay, well, I mean, this has been thought about for, well, since before recorded history. The, the, the thing about it is that it can be done, and planets have done it. It's called making a planet sacred. And in order to achieve it, you have going to have most of the people who uh, do not see evil, do not believe in possession, to start doing some of them. To be more conscious that evil exists and become more conscious that possession exists and that you can do something to change it. Those are all big deals, tremendous deals. Now, Years ago, I would say, I would have said, well, we should prevent people being substance abusers. So let's make all drugs illegal, prevent people from doing it. So, well, yeah. just because something's illegal doesn't mean you really prevent it. And there is a problem that's inversely inversely proportional to the question of harm and good. And that is, and this is the, the libertarian kind of philosophy, if you decide that you want to make most drugs illegal, including, say, alcohol, we know what happened with that. That's a good experiment. That um, and you decide it because you're saying that a person may become addicted and they become possessed and become evil. So to protect the world from evil, you're going to protect them through incarcerating them making laws, making it illegal to do these things, fining them, or in some or other way, destroying the drugs, our That seems like, well, what's wrong with that? Well, it, it doesn't help because it doesn't change the motive. Remember, I kept hammering away about this thing about the motor. I said we were going to come back to it. When, yeah when you make something illegal, that doesn't mean you make it that people really don't want.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, well, it's legal, so I'm not going to do that. All you do is make it more desirable for some people because they want it more by not being able to get it. Some people, you make it more desirable because they don't like being told what to do. And some people you make it more desirable because the method of incarceration and punishment is something they also find is not that disturbing to them, because maybe there are more drugs in prison, and maybe in prison they actually find life easier or better. So you may not be doing anything there. Not everybody would respond that way, of course, but I'm just giving you examples. And the heart of the situation is the motive. And you haven't touched the motive. you never come even close to the motive. Well, they may stop doing drugs because they're too afraid. But they go to something else that leads them oftentimes to becoming equally possessed or worse. So your very reason for doing what you're doing does not change by virtually anything, the outcome. As a matter of fact, you make everybody who has been using drugs into a criminal. And then they go out and do other criminal things that were never related to the original desire to do the including selling drugs, including much more. So it, you build a system of illegality where you want to prevent darkness, you bring in darkness. So I changed my thinking about that some time ago, and I've come to the conclusion that you've got to change people's motives, not change just their behavior, and try to control their behavior by law. Rather, anything that involves a person's beingness, you should have no right to changing by law. What you need to do is to allow them to be If they create any other behaviors that are themselves intruding on other people, then you use laws to deal with that. So if drinking and driving is very dangerous, then when you drink and you drive, you go to hell. But if you drink and you don't drive, and you get possessed because of that, you don't go to jail. And you allow that person the right to become possessed. Now, how do you change that? How do you change the issue? Because you have to change the motive. You've got to reveal to people evil and possession and get them to understand what it is rather than talk about it just in terms of drugs and physical behaviors and addictions. When you deal with it through strictly the non-spiritual or mundane world, you never get to the heart of the real problem. Now, a lot of people say, well, what about the twelfth step And the, that, that, Isn't that spiritual? There's some spirit there, yes. And that's the reason sometimes it's successful. But it is shrouded so much in a religious uh, format that for a lot of people, it doesn't come through that it's really about God. And it's really about being something yourself as a co-creator with God and understanding that there really is evil. There really is evil. And that you might have been getting possessed at times. Those things need to be involved in a new kind of system, we'll call it, of getting people off of substance abuse instead of just using a 12-step program or something similar Or a psychological program, let's do group therapy and have people talk about their feelings. Well, all those things still are very mundane, and they don't deal with the real problem. Let's build up their spiritual senses, the heart and crown chakra in each of the three bodies, to understand God and to help them to be co-creators. Now, part of the 12-step program I really like is the buddy system, where one person is the Responsible for another person. Those are good things. But make it more responsibility not just to not drink or to not use drugs, but to become more co-creative of virtue. God's thought in form. That is the bigger picture. That is the picture that will more successfully work more at a time. I'm not saying you, can throw, you should throw out the other stuff. For people to find they can pick and choose whatever they want to use. People will find certain parts of it to work. Fine, Let those folks use it. But a totally different system to reduce the level of possession from substance abuse is needed. And this is what I'm getting at. And the motive factor becomes huge. When you start changing people's motives, then you make life changes. Then you really have people who will not be getting possessed again who will not be abusing drugs, and who will find meaning in life from co-creating with God through creating virtue in others, helping them to do it in, with others. So it will be a big change. This is the thought I have about it. Now, does that mean that we should uh, do this like through a legal decision, make it Have to be? No, I still don't believe that that's the way to do it. It's got to come through education, not through legislation. Legislating it is just a nutty way of looking at the problem. Education is a conscious way of dealing with it. It's the second way method, the more conscious method. It's the method of helping people to see the whole person, see a whole what is a whole human being. If people can't see evil, how in the heck? they ever be expected to deal with being possessed by. So, education is tremendously helpful because it reveals evil. It gets people to understand how the universe actually works, and then they say, oh, well, I can deal with this because I don't need to become that sort of thing. And I don't need to escape my fears of life, which mostly are related to my fear of death, because death isn't real. The only thing that dies is a body with a bunch of energy that I'm not going to be using in the next dimension it? So that body has to be freed sometime. You now, in spiritual terms, it's usually like 147 years, is long as most people do live these days. But that's how long the body, is. it could stay together without any harm to it whatsoever. After that, the parts of the body need to be freed from the overriding consciousness of our subconscious and our conscious self, and if they're not freed from it, then the energies themselves are called elemental and divine energies start paying a penalty of it they they cost them because they've got to have they gotta have the ability to develop their consciousness to very 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 small for elemental energy. The consciousness of elemental energy is what we call gravity. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, it's not—it's not anything like us, but it still has to have the freedom. And so, our bodies—we want them to be—we want them to be healthy and well, but not to live from. We ourselves, our consciousness—that's what we're concerned about. We want that part of us to live forever, and it does. Good news. Provided that it's doing what it's here to do, which is to create itself, co-create itself, into part of life and God. If it's doing that, it's going to be a friend. Now, if if it chooses to become evil, we know what happens. It, it, it will it will diminish itself and it will suffer. But strangely, eventually, will come around. I mean, it might take a billion years. And if you're willing to suffer for a million years, I guess you can go down the wrong path and be happy about it. Say, well, I did it all. (laughs) First I became the most evil, and then I became the most good, and there I could say I did everything. Do you really have to become the most evil to understand what evil is? Hopefully not. Um, And remember, this is a human condition. It's human beings that create the system. There, There is no evil without humans. Because humans are the first form of life that can recognize, understand, and co-create with their own creator. There's no other form that can. How do we know that? Well, you know, I can't tell the story at the same time. All the time. Yeah. You see, have you seen any monkeys, apes? How about whales? Dolphins? Smart dogs? Parrots? Orangutans, you name it. Have you seen any of them going out and doing charitable projects for any kind of life other than those that are closest to them in their own let's say, family or group? Have you seen them build any churches to God? Have you seen them show love for God? Have you seen them change who and what they are? to be closer to their creative. Nope. Okay. Made my point. So when we look at kingdoms lower than humans, the reason they don't create evil is because in order to create evil, on some basic level, you do believe there is a God. You just don't want it to be the ruler of you. You want to be God, and you want God to take a hike. It's the primary issue of the next topic, which is egotism. We are in a highly de- developed mental race now. It's called the fifth race. And we, this race is developing its mental mind, far beyond where it was, even hundreds of years ago, thousands and millions of years. And so we're developing our mental capacity. In the development of that mental capacity, we are more mentally aware of our Creator. We define it many different ways. God. And if we're egotistical, we may become uh, rejective of God. Because we look over them and we say, well, God allows all this bad stuff to happen, so what kind of God does that? I don't know if there's a God, that God isn't the God that I'm going to think is so great. The reason egotistical people, and especially arrogant people, think that is because they don't understand God, because God gives freedom. Without freedom, we couldn't create ourselves. It would create us, and we'd just be an image of its puppet show creation, and we go through life just doing things. That's a that's a very deterministic God, and some religions believe in determinism. And so it, it, it makes human life very shallow, and for some people that get fairly developed mentally with a lot of egotism, so they don't understand God really, egotism lacks a from, from further understanding of that type of thought. They, uh, they reject God. They become progressives or atheists maybe someone agnostic, but they reject God. The reason they do that is because they think that God isn't the kind of God that is always loving and giving, since there's so much seemingly irrational, terrible things going on in the world. Of course, they don't understand that that's coming from evil, which God allows to take place by giving human beings freedom. Freedom to think freedom to feel, and freedom to interact with others in all three realms of the universe that we exist in. So we can choose, choose to do terrible things to each other, and God allows that because it needs us to be free, so eventually we will create ourselves into something much greater. If it didn't allow this, we would never get to the point where we could become much greater than we are. Our field of life, quantum field, would become so shrunk by the lack of freedom that we would never get out of it, and we couldn't grow beyond the most meager levels of humanity. Of course, God would not create humans like that, and so it didn't. But some human beings, in a way, are angry at God because it didn't. Or reject that God could even exist, because how could God be all-powerful and all-good and there be evil? You may have heard that before. Now, the answer is, it can't be in the other way, because in order for God to allow us to be free, it can't interfere with us being evil. And that's the truth. So, here we are. Some people choose evil, and only people can No, your average orangutan, and even an advanced one, is not going to do that. You can have one that becomes evil-like in behavior because a human is interacting with it and causing it to occur. But that's an aberration of the human's behavior transferred on to the animal. The animal still doesn't understand God. It doesn't even understand evil. It doesn't even communicate very well with good soul of people. But it is influenced by evil humans. And there's a bunch of animals that have been put in this position and it's a terrible thing. It's the opposite of what pets are supposed to be like to humans, which is they become more human like by borrowing small amounts of our own consciousness and living their life gradually becoming free to become an individual. And develop into an individual soul, become a human. In other words. But animals can't do that on their own. They are, they are helped, and then they help their good souls. And eventually, uh, some of the pets evolve, so to speak, to eventually becoming ensouled by a human being, a human, being a, a human soul. And that uh, then changes the nature of what they are. But a human soul is an individual being. And animals have group souls with instincts, with preconceived thoughts. And they are not nearly as free as we are. Not even close. There's vast difference. I love these programs, especially PBS. Well, the average ape is really two-thirds of a man. And if you look at their genes, they're 98.5%. And you know, actually, they're just a step behind humans. They have so many features that we have. They do, really? They're only missing the two spiritual, the highest senses in three bodies. <laughs> and they don't live their life with virtually any meaning in comparison to a human being. They can barely create anything different about themselves in this lifetimes. That's true of all humans, except for that. Wow. And even pets are very limited. I don't want you to think, well, gee, I'll just go get a dog, and it'll become just like a human overnight. How well, it might develop a few human-like traits, but they're going to be pretty, pretty much like a dog. Pretty much. Okay. So the dark side is the human kingdom. The dark side comes from the emptiness that humans have about their own creator and the rejection of it. It comes from egotism and arrogance. And in particular, that is a breeding ground for the worst kinds of evil. A few hundred years ago, there was virtually no mental evil. And now today, it's everywhere. Signs of it are propaganda, or spin. What's that mean? Well, it means that the creation of mental evil Evil is to convince other people of things that are horribly untrue, terribly, usually restrictive or demeaning of God, and com- almost completely rejecting of possession. That's what propaganda does, it's, it has a foundation of that sort of stuff, and it repeats lies over and over again. And it makes a new line faster than you can think about the old one, so you never can catch it. It's an invention really almost of the 20th century. Mass, it was mass media that allowed propaganda to really just take over. Yeah, there were newspapers, some, you know, some periodicals during the 19th century. And before that, there were even... Fewer, but there were some of those things for several centuries before that. But as we got rolling into the, ninth, into the 20th century, we got radio and television and movies. And the mass media allows propaganda to go from, well, I'll read a newspaper that about something that happened three weeks ago, to I'll hear something that happened three minutes ago or I'll be told about something that's going to happen using much more impactful means of communication. Reading something is way different than hearing it on the radio or much more so than seeing it on a movie screen or on a television site. This is the difference. So what does the sight of light have to do about that? Well, we're doing it right in here. I'm on TV right now. Hi, everybody. I've got the radio going. I've got everything happening. And so all this is going on because it is the best possible way to, we'll say, offset what is the darkest side It kind of went by the wayside, especially with cable. That was on broadcast. Okay, so what do we got? We got an interesting scenario here. This is that we right now are participating. Right now, we're participating in this, and we're in the crux of it. The next 100 years could be the very, very end of the world, at least, coming close to it, and it could all go really to hell, or we could find the answers to how to stop it. The the first is almost universally, almost universally, people need to become aware of what evil is to be able to understand it to some level. And they can only do that if they have some understanding of God. So people who are progressive, quote-unquote, and who are uh, atheistic, Usually those two are considered synonymous, but they aren't necessarily. Those folks, those folks have a long way to go. And what's been happening is since the middle of the 19th century and very quickly after the beginning of the 20th century, that part of the population exploded due to egotism. Uh, It just went crazy. And it's what brought about most of the changes in laws here in the United States in some other parts of the world, towards socialism and communism and just progressivism in general, and it led to the idea that the people who thought better or were quote-unquote smarter should run everything and let the dummies just be... And those are people who were also religious, that those religious folks. Well, we'll take care of them. We'll tolerate them for a while until we can take them over and we can you know, reprogram them. We'll get their kids. That's the most important thing. Let them send into to the schools that we create, and we'll fix them. So this was kind of the plan. But along with it came the propaganda and the changes in modality in terms of uh, the ways we could communicate with each other through mass media with better and better approaches. And now we're going to soon be with holographic things and interactive holographs and stuff. That's coming later in this uh, in this century, and and senses that extend into the electromagnetic field where people will become more easily possessed. <laughs> so if you have, quote-unquote, an avatar in a, an electromagnetic field that you can sense through the system built into that avatar, uh, and of course they have had a number of science fiction programs about this, then you can become more easily possessed in that environment than you're in the physical world. it's Because it's closer. Where is it? It's closer to the door. Remember, the door is in a sphere. That's closer to the electromagnetic part of the physical world than the physical part. And it's easier to deal with people there because energy is more mobile. It's more elastic. You can control it better in numerous different ways. And it allows possession far greater. It's like being what happens to ghosts people who stay too long in the the electromagnetic world. Imagine if you do that voluntarily for hours in a day, possession becomes much more possible and dangerous. It's already happening. People are living in their computers, in their mind. They just don't have themselves fully hooked up yet. But it's already happening. Wow. Now there's a few people that are bringing religion into it and trying to make it a enlightened world. That's an interesting twist. It might be a counter. But I see the reverse more likely. Vast numbers, greater numbers of people will not be doing it for spiritual reasons, much less the religious or otherwise, and will instead do it strictly for the immersion into the sensory simplicity of the etheric world, or electromagnetic, compared to the physical, and they will be victimized by the systems that they put themselves into. Already people are choosing to take on identities that nowhere resemble them, And where sometimes they bring this into a physical uh, encounter where they have um, created a grand model of lies and deception. I'm not saying this is always going to be the case, but I'm saying it has been already abused that way. But that's nothing compared to having some dark beings from the A-sphere or even the seventh or sixth subplanes of the astral world having their field day because a new invention that gives people the senses of the etheric realm to interact and build their own life in. Oh, that's gonna be dangerous. Now how do I know about this? Because in the third Astral subworld they've done stuff like this. Right? It's been experimented with. They've outlawed some. Of it. And believe me, these are not folks who generally speaking are very restrictive of, we'll say their creative side. They live to create technology and stuff, but they have outlawed some of it because it has produced such bad results. And does that mean that we should outlaw it? Uh, this gets back into the same issues that we can about drugs. This is much more dangerous than drugs. But the question is, how do you best deal with this? I still say education and and helping people to become spiritually enlightened at whatever level they can, and help them to serve with others, for others, then these things will not turn so dark. They will still be there. They're going to, they're coming. I know they're coming, and we won't be able to stop it. But they may not turn so dark. We may be able to turn the system around. Well. Remember, this is an experiment. It's not, it's not, it's not, Happen chance. This is part of an experiment to see if evil, in its most glorious way, in its worst possible, most powerful existence, on a planet of extreme darkness, us, can be defeated. And every one of the people who are who came here, their souls chose this place because the soul knew. Your soul knew what this was about. I know you could say, well, I didn't sign up for any of this. Well, you're scaring the heck out of me. I didn't sign up for it. Where's my name on a contract? Well, you did. It's just that you forgot because you're in human form in the physical world and just encountering huge amounts of illusion. You could go to some of the programs I've dealt with about illusion and listen to those You'll understand what I'm saying. And so you can't, you just don't, you don't remember. But you will gain your memory back. And as you do, you'll just meld back into becoming your soul. It'll be fine. But the weird thing is you're going to come back again. <laughs> because, because, and you won't remember. Because only if you create 60% of a lifetime in life can you really remember now, it's true, children, because they have such limited memories and limited life experiences and even input, and sense, because of just development of a small amount of their bodies, they actually have more memory. Young children, before seven, have much more memory, of a, even their more than one lifetime before, or at least the last lifetime. But about half the kids do. But um, we don't. As we gain more mental thinking, as our bodies, besides just a physical body, becomes more developed. We just lose it all. We don't remember that. And, but we're going to get it back, especially in the mental world if you are going to get it fully in the astral. And you know, you'll you'll say, oh, you know, I hated it while I was there. It's an awful place. But I came here to make a difference. I came here to, to try to see if we can stop this evil. And that's what I want to do. It's not the only reason we're here. But it's a mean. Reason we came here because it's such a specialized planet. Most planets don't have this sort of stuff on it. People are given way more, much more time to develop themselves into godly beings. Life itself goes more slowly, and it's evil doesn't have a chance to root like it does here. And people can adjust more easily in those other worlds. And we were there. Most souls that are here are older. They've been in different worlds before. They were successful. They came here because they knew it was going to be difficult, but maybe more meaningful because there was a need. Even the people that screw up, even the people that become evil, came here from a soul with a good intention. And the soul remains. Evil beings get connected to a group soul, but their soul continues to incarnate with a new incarnation. And when they come back out, eventually they will. They'll get a different soul, usually a younger one, a new soul that may come here. There's different possibilities. But they'll be re sold again with an individual soul. And that's a whole complicated situation. I'm, I'm going over that. We don't have any time to go into it tonight. But anyway, I hope this is making some sense, that in order to win this situation with possession, we've got to be up to the challenge of dealing with, at the present level of technology, uh, how we're getting possessed today. And then we have to concern ourselves with the next few decades when things are really going to get turned up, and are we going to be able to take the challenges of those things and not become possessed? from them in the future, including who knows what other kind of new designer drugs or whatever will come out as well, added to this whole experience. The grandest thing we can do is to change the educational system as soon as possible. Do not allow your kids to go to public school unless the public school is truly, truly an enlightened school. Find a school to bring your kids to that have a spiritual foundation. It doesn't have to be religious, but if it is, it's okay. However you find spirit in your life, make sure that they go to that school because that's a big part of it. And when they go off, quote-unquote, to college, find a college that is either neutral, which is hard to find, or preferably, preferably spiritual. Because almost all of the higher universities are Vastly contaminated with progressive thought and every kind of ism you can imagine left of capitalism. I mean, truly, uh, it's, it's, it's unbearable to even go for a visit to those places, much less attend school there. They're trying to brainwash young people, young adults, to their way of thinking. And then they become, unfortunately, for ten years or longer against God. Usually they come back. I know some do. But the point is, why put your kids into that? Especially if you're paying for it. Now I realize that some people leave home and they go to the college that they can afford to go to. and That's where they want to be. Well, that's, that's a choice that was really made by the first day of school when they were six years old. Because if they went to the right schools and the family... With strong in spiritual values, they wouldn't make the choices where they're eighteen years old to go to some school where nobody believes that there is such a thing as God and um, everybody is some kind of strong leftist uh you know whatever. Doesn't have to be that way. It's a mistake we're making in trusting a system that is mostly dark. And we don't have to be part of that system. least not here in the United States, and if you are in a place where, unfortunately, you can't fight it, maybe like Germany, we've heard about the German schools, uh, then make your family the bastion of freedom and thought, and try to, to minimize and diminish the wrong educational ideas that may be presented to your children when you're not there during the day, have them come home and tell you about it, have a discussion And let them think about the things you don't think are uh, fairly being presented but more egotistically slanted by a system that is uh, against, uh, against God. Talk about possession with children. Children get possessed more easily than adults, especially if they're abused. Do not ever abuse your children and don't let anybody else abuse any child that is anywhere around you. Once a child is abused, it's a terrible thing. It's much worse than an adult who's abused because children are malleable and once possessed, the web's damaged at that early of an age and they never develop normal. There is no normal to go back to. And trying to develop a normal in in a, in a, an adult who was damaged early in childhood is almost impossible. So whatever you do, the children, treat them like gold. Make sure that you do, because they are the next generation. And you'll be in that position soon again. We're all going to be children again. Unless you're evil. Because they never have another childhood for well they do eventually, but not for them thousands or more years. So remember that. And remember also that possession does not have to be a winning factor for the dark side. It has been. But we have many more things than what I have talked about tonight to do. Some of them I would rather not talk about on the radio right now, or TV, huh? but rather um, um, in a more, we'll say, structured situation where uh, anybody can't just get some of the ideas by have about it. Because I like those ideas to be used more in secret for a while until we know whether they will work or not. Because you give the other side all your ammunition, they'll eventually turn some of it back on you. And that's unfortunate but true. That's not to say I believe in secrecy about everything, I'm just saying about some things, we definitely need to be secret or else you may end up being destroyed before you can enact the very ideas that you have to do. So that's another little, I guess, call wisdom for tonight. Well, listen, we're running out of time, and I didn't even cover half of this subject. I feel a little bit strange because there was a lot more to explain that should be done about possession and uh, the door to evil, but... At any rate, hopefully you got a pretty good understanding of what I'm talking about. And maybe it will make a difference. If it does, uh, let me know. And if you have some ideas, let me know. And if you'd like to know more about my own, we might get together and figure that out as a group. Because this is a big, big subject. It's really the major problem right now in the world. And so if we can do something about it, we should. Because there's no time like now, let me tell you. Uh, next year might be much worse, and the year after that, and on and on and on. Remember, the lies that you hear every day, in the news, whatever, that you think are untrue, especially coming from someone like a president or whatever, are there designed to be as destructive as possible. So you have to be vigilant and do whatever you can, because a lot of people are being sucked into it and don't even know better. Anyway, I'm out of time. It is that time. So until next week, this has been Niles McFlower for Why Life Is.